The rain lashes at the windows. It's so heavy it's flooding the lawn and blocking out any hint of a view. Susan and I share the couch in Caratunk. We're at the Sterling Inn, and we both lean lazily into our individual sides while stretching out our sore legs, puzzling in our feet around each other. Susan is about a year older than me, another middle-aged solo hiker heading north and on the verge of completing the Appalachian Trail. She shows me spectacular photos of herself from a few days ago on the mountains I've yet to cross, glorious ridges above enormous lakes and boreal forests to infinity. I wonder if I'll see what she has seen as the rain revs up even more. What a lark to meet Susan. When I told the group I was heading home because I have breast cancer and will need surgery, this lovely stranger, who I knew for only a few minutes, told me she also had cancer a few years ago. And look what you can do once you heal. We're warm inside, dry and cozy, and I feel buoyed by Susan's strength. Go home, she tells me. Get your people together. You're going to need a team to help you get through this. When I hesitate, she puts her arm on my shoulder and says, You're going to get through this, and the trail will wait for you. You're listening to Blissful Hiker Podcast. I'm Allison Young, the solo, female, middle-aged, titanium-reinforced, long-distance backpacker, Blissful Hiker. This podcast is a series of personal essays I call audio narratives. They couple storytelling, found sound, and my own flute playing, and I explore a journey of self-discovery where I share the sometimes unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment. We are badass people, and we don't need permission to blaze our own trails in this journey we call life. If you enjoy these podcasts, you can support them through Patreon. There's a link in the show notes or at blissfulhikerpodcast.com. At the very least, if you're at Apple Podcasts, please leave a review that helps other people discover the podcast. Two days before I meet Susan, I'm awakened right at dawn by a hermit thrush and his gossamer melody. You can't be too upset about that kind of alarm clock. It's so easy this morning, easy to eat and dress and pack up, because it's dry. In fact, walking on trail is a luxury on dry days. I'm up and out from Moxiebald Pond, the first one, and heading up a thousand feet to Moxiebald itself. Unlike a lot of mountains in the Appalachians, this particular mountain is bald. It's open with views because it burned in a wildfire in the early part of the last century. The walk is surprisingly straightforward, still with plenty of rock wall climbs, mostly on slabs, but nothing like what I've already experienced. I'm becoming an expert. There's still puddles, rocks, and roots, plus a couple of amphibious companions, a ruddy and warty toad, and a lovely snake, black and green, with forked tongue checking out this hulking character. I easily reach the top, where views reach back to my symphonic and loud sonorous pond, more of a sprawling lake than pond, 
plus slate-blue mountains under a weak sun. Boy, that wildfire must have been something, burning any vestige of vegetation right to the bare granite that reaches in long fingers north towards my next mountain complex. I attempt a smiling selfie up here without the bug net, but the hungry flying bloodsuckers are fast and they find any exposed flesh in seconds. Still, it's beautiful up here with views towards humpy green forested mountains, like a merging leviathan in an even more expansive sea of green. Has it become clear to you now that the Appalachian Trail is almost fully forest? That the green tunnel is a real thing, and trees are very much on repeat? I leave reluctantly, knowing another two mountaintops await with many miles in between. The trail dives right back down, and another hermit thrush welcomes me, floaty and impressionistic sounds lighter than air. These last couple of days have truly been a gift. I knew that starting from the north would be tough, but add in rain and cold, it's an extra layer of challenge. I arrive quickly at another shelter, where a chatty, tattooed hiker called Packrat offers me coffee, plus a toke on his pipe. (laughs) I happily accept the caffeine, and we talk and laugh together as he slowly considers maybe packing up and moving on. From inside the shelter, we hear the complex, double-stopped, trill-filled song of a winter wren, who follows me as I continue walking. At this point, I'm really starting to smell. Eau de moldering privy is what I name it. Maybe it's the humidity, or lack of any swimming. Soon I'll get wet, though, and maybe wash some of it off. I walk through Baker Stream, and it's slippery, only up to my knees, but I fall right in. I'm sitting up, but I'm soaked. Okay, say bye-bye to the Oud Moldering Privy. The sky is getting dark again, and I'm totally wet, so a little bit worried about getting cold. But I've got many miles to go, and I just keep walking up and down before I reach the next views. It's 1,500 feet up now, but it's on a trajectory similar to the recent Fed rates and their subsequent effects. Up and down and up and down and more and more up and down. Well, here I am at Middle Mountain with uh, not really any views. Okay, let's keep going. Kick it up, Blissful. Up and down, up and down. Here we go. I am feeling strong in the dry weather, and I pop out of the interminable lushness to the Krumpholz in a beautifully exposed rock covered in a white lichen like marble. Wow, it's beautiful here, even more so than the Moxie Bald. It's more intimate and higher. Somehow the mountains feel closer. I sit on the rock and make a lunch of tuna and a multitude of snacks. There's not a hint of wind, so I create a kind of feeding trough beneath my bug net. Tiny black flies swarm like a dark cloud and one lands right in the tuna. Oh, man. This is the last of my tuna, and I'm starved. All right, stir them in. It'll add nutrients. (laughs) I take in the views, and my heart palpitates looking at the sheer height of the mountains. But wait a minute. I'm looking north. Those are the mountains I've already climbed. 
I pick up and transfer my fly-enhanced meal a few feet higher so I'm faced south. And there it is. I see the rabbit ears of the Avery Peaks in the Bigelow Range. It's another 2,000 feet higher than where I am right now. Oh, my God. I sure hope the sun's out when I get there. It's finally time to leave. And from here, it's down and down, all the way down, never going up again. Trees happily seem to appear just as I need them to manage rock walls. Of course, there's also my butt. On Katahdin, I slid down most of the way off those boulders, and I have a big hole in the rear end of my hiking pants. The shelter I arrive at is near a pond, but not on it. Really, it's amidst the trees with a view to more trees. The tent sites sit down a long, muddy trail past the privy. It's not scenic, but it's flat. The Sibs, Addie and Kaylee, arrive and we wander down to a tiny crescent of beach and wade in to wash our feet. The pond is dotted with summer houses. Someone is mowing his lawn. I head back to the shelter to eat, then crawl in before dark as a pontoon boat floats by, music cranked. (laughs) I burst out laughing. Well, we're kind of still in wilderness. By morning, things are quieter, and it's a short, easy six miles to a road. It's muddy with stream crossings and rocks, and a northern perula follows me, clearing his throat over and over. Lady slippers line the path, bright bulbs of pink and yellow on giant stalks. The forest is so dim, I have no idea what time it is. I'm at the road soon enough hearing the logging truck speeding past nearly a mile before. I begin the walk to the inn and get picked up by a fisherman in a jeep. The Sterling Inn is lovely and ready for us hikers with comfy rooms and a resupply. Shoes is here and the Sibs, and Packrat arrives, plus a couple of northbounders about to finish their hikes. We all gather up to be driven to the one nearby restaurant and eat two meals apiece, dry and warm now, and famished. At this point, after about two weeks, it's called hiker hunger. Nothing can fill this bottomless pit. At a certain point, trying not to bring down the joyous reverie, I tell everyone that I need to go home and have to have a double mastectomy, and God knows what else. I tell them I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm confused. Also, I'm just depressed especially after connecting with these lovely hikers and now having to leave the group. And that's when Susan pipes up. She tells me in front of everyone, I had both boobs chopped off too, and chemo, and radiation. And look at me now. Fuck cancer, she says. And we all begin to laugh. Later in private, Susan gives me more of the nitty-gritty ugliness of what's to come. But she makes me feel brave. And she's a rock. She's a mentor. She's someone to look at and say, look at me. You can do it too. Truth is, I feel lucky to have experienced as much of the trail as I did. I climbed Baxter Peak on Mount Katahdin, and it was in sunshine with views. There was so much joy. Apparently, my blissful spirit preceded me on trail, and I even gained a bit of a reputation. I survived the 100-mile wilderness in relentless rain and cold. 
I mean, not an easy task, as many hikers struggled mightily. The young man I met on Katahdin, who I named Music Man, was rescued after developing hypothermia. He has since rested and is back on trail. He'll be fine. Another hiker named Step developed a stress fracture, and he plans to rejoin everyone a few months on after he's healed up. The two older men that I met gave up entirely. Somehow, I don't know how, I persevered. I mean, I came up with solutions to my problems, and I made it an exciting walk. I still found bliss inside the hardship. One night in pouring rain, cuddled in my corner of a lean-to, I stayed up late to gab with shoes as if we were at a slumber party. With the German hiker Ingrid, I laughed in the wind as we hung every single wet item on trees, including our bras and panties and the soggy sleeping quilts, both desperately hoping against hope that this monsoon was an anomaly. The Sibs encouraged and cheered me on. We even have a theme song in Steely Dan's Peg, which we danced to in a bar in Monson. Those two made me feel like I accomplished a lot in my two weeks. I mean, maybe I did. Like so much in life, in this very short moment, I was afforded only a taste, just a handful of memories to savor, along with new knowledge and renewed respect of a famous trail. Will I return to the Appalachian Trail? God, I don't know. I've got a far tougher trail to contend with now, with unknown challenges and an unclear destination. Perhaps my desires will change after this ordeal. Who really knows? But my guidebook tells me I've got a top-notch medical team helping me navigate the wilderness and at least parts of a plan in place as we gather more information about my illness. Plans are good, and I'll embrace this adventure like all of mine, step by step. The hikers pack up to go to trail, and each one hugs me as I hang back waiting for my ride to the airport. A few minutes later, I'm texted by Kaylee, one of the sibs. She writes, driving away, and Packrat says, strong woman right there. Agreed. God, I needed to hear that. You can read more and see pictures from my southbound hike of the Appalachian Trail. It's at blissfulhikerpodcast.com. The podcast is on all podcast platforms, and you can support Blissful Hiker on Patreon. Support the show financially as a patron. Find a link to Patreon in the show notes or just go to blissfulhikerpodcast.com. Next week, I am on a new trail, the Breast Cancer Trail. But hey, it's not that bad, really. And here's a spoiler alert. I am going to return to the Appalachian Trail faster than expected. Until then, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails. Happy trails.